welcome to Hello Governor the Podcast. As always, I'm Abdullah, and my guest today is, introduce yourself. Hey guys, I'm Heather Gonzalez. So first question is the obvious one, but how did you get started? Um, well, I have always been uh, a theater kid. I started acting on stage in musicals and dramas when I was four years old in New York. Um, my dad always told me this story because my sister was in theater as well, and she's two years older than me. And he would always tell me this story. We went and saw her in Peter Pan, and she was playing Michael. And the first moment she got to fly in the show, I guess I stood up on my chair and I pointed at the stage and I was like, I want to do that. And he was like, you want to fly? And I was like, no, I want to do that. And so the very next audition, they brought me to the auditions and I booked a show and I pretty much never stopped acting from that point. Um, we moved to the East Bay, San Francisco. I kept training up there. I came down to uh, go to American Academy of Dramatic Arts because for some reason I thought come to L.A. for theater. That was very clever of me. <laughs> um, but that's what I did. And so I've just always been uh, in and around theater and acting. Um, and eventually all of my theater friends switched over to voiceover. And I thought, no, that's silly. I need applause and instant gratification. I need to know the audience loves me. Like I, me alone in a booth is weird. I'm just going to make fun of myself. This won't work. Uh, and it scared me, honestly. It was it was very frightening because you've got nothing to hide behind in voiceover. There's no costumes or sets or anything. And it's just you. And uh, I finally decided to try it. And a friend of mine who I had been on tour with is a voiceover actor. And he teaches classes sometimes. And he was like, just come to my class. See what you think. If you like it, we'll go from there. And so I tried it. And I was like, oh, holy crap, this this is what you're all doing this. I want to do this. This is fun. Uh, and I pretty much jumped in head first and that was about three years ago. And I've been really, really lucky to be able to go full time um, pretty much within the first year and, and just go after it. So three years ago, that was like 2019. So you just got in just right before. The before. World ended. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's good that you got in like, back when there was some semblance of normalcy because like we didn't know we didn't know we we're like yeah you know uh we're looking forward to the future and then everything just went right. to hell and it's well like... what's crazy is what so i started pretty much in commercial and industrial and so i had a home studio because commercial was was still from home if you wanted to and if you could uh so when the world shut down is actually when i jumped into doing things like video games and anime and I was already set up so it was kind of nice to be like oh yeah I've got that let's go no it it's um and and um I'm kind of glad you did because um and I've said this before previously but you know during the pandemic I've talked to people who did not have <laughs> home setups yeah. and they had to um, adapt to the change and I'm and I was just about to ask like you know was the was the whole home you know recording from home process like what was that like for you but I guess it wasn't that much of a stretch to record from home because like hey you know you already had a home setup ready yeah I think the biggest thing that changed is I went from a smaller um, I had an isovox just basically like it looks like a giant capsule that goes over your head you like stand in it and it just kind of surrounds that part of you so I went from that to like 
getting enough work that I could build in my own studio in my in my house but I already had the the basic tools I needed so I was like okay I can still work let's do it and you're you know your book and stuff I mean I'm kind of it's it's weird seeing you know you listed in the credits of like additional voices and this like big big video game that came out like a couple months months ago and I'm like yeah good on you you know go yeah, get it it's, it's been nuts um I mean, the my very, very first video game I got to actually go in studio for, it was right before the world ended, and that was Trails of Cold Steel 4. And it was terrifying because I was replacing an actress who is incredible, and it was my first video game ever. So not only am I worried about matching this voice match and her cadence and doing justice to this character and this actress who came before, but also, like... I've never done a video game. What the hell am I doing? So it was it was a very, very scary first uh, first time going in. And now every time I get to do any sort of like cool role, I mean, all of the roles are cool, but any of these bigger franchises, I'm just like, wow, I'm even just when you're additional voices and you see some of the other names listed and you're like, holy shit, like, really? I'm I'm in there with them. That's cool. No, I, it's it's funny, like seeing your name with some of some of my friends, and I'm like, yeah, well, you know, you're in good company, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, but but um, it's interesting. You you mentioned like um, you know, going in there and replacing an actor. That that must be like, oh god, I can't imagine. Like you must have been scared shitless because it's like, oh, so and so didn't work out, and we need you to come in and fill in for them, and it's like. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and, and for this one, it wasn't even a matter of didn't work out. It was just the scheduling and the timing didn't work for them. And, I mean, she'd been in the, the franchise from Jump, and this was the fourth of the series. And so it was like, oh, you're replacing, like, a long-running person here uh, that the world loves. And so it was it was very scary, and it was very scary when it announced because I thought that I was going to get the the horrible Twitter backlash of, how dare you? You've ruined everything. And so I was like, I didn't even want to look. I was like, I don't want to know. I'm just going to announce it and then not look on the internet for like a week. Um, but it was, it, people were very, very nice and and I got, you know, lovely compliments. And, and so it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. But yeah, it was very scary. And it happens. Um, I remember when I had um, Ashlyn Madden on uh, back, I think, a year ago. You know, we talked about her filling in for Mae Whitman, and that's like a huge mm. deal because it's like it's Mae Whitman, yeah. and you know you're you're coming in to fill in as Batgirl because you know she couldn't <laughs> do it because of, I think she was shooting Good Girls at the time, and that was like you know there's a huge scheduling conflicts between you know her shooting that series and you know her coming into the booth and and recording, so they're like you know right. we kind of need someone to come in and replace her, and you know Ashlyn just came in and. And I'll admit, you know, when I when I heard her as Batgirl for the first time, I'm like, it's different. It's not Mae Whitman, but mm -hmm. like it it works as its own version because she wasn't trying to be Mae Whitman. She was just like, hey, I'm, I I want to just be Batgirl, you know, or this incarnation of Batgirl, right? And uh, I'm I'm just wondering, like, was that the case with you, where you're like, okay, I'm I'm gonna be this version of the character instead of um, trying to replicate this other person? Um, it was, 
it was a little of both. I definitely brought my own flavor to the character, um, but they wanted a very specific voice match and they wanted it to be as seamless as possible for the voice sound at least. So it was my cadence and my flavor using someone else's sound, if that makes sense. Oh man, voice matching. That's another tough, tough thing to do because it's like we, we need you to sound exactly like this person yeah. and, and you it is cannot, not, you know. It is not something I normally do. Uh, my husband is really, really good at impersonations. Like he can just hear it and do it. And I'm like, I don't, I can hear it in my head. I have no idea how you make that come out of your mouth. Like, what did you do? And so when I got the audition, I listened to her and I was like, okay, well, we kind of sit in the same general space which is nice but something that I did grow up doing since I grew up in musical theater was impersonating vocalists and so I sort of just kind of hummed along with her lines as if it were a song to figure out her placement and her textures and went about it musically first so that I could wrap my brain around it um yeah that's that's another way, way to go to go about it because um and 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 again apologies if if you're an, if you're um a long time listener but I think I said this like in an old episode like uh you know 3 years ago before that world ended mm-hmm. I said it is very interesting that musicians musicians make the best voice actors because they get they get the rhythm of the character in a way because right. like they get they get how it works. It's like oh, it's 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 like music. It's like you know, there's a rhythm to to every voice, and it's like yeah, that's why I like a lot of musicians uh, are, uh, when they transition into voiceover, they already understand what the craft is because they they're already used to, you know, uh, vo- voicing things with their and doing things with their vocal cords that. Uh, no human no normal human being <laughs> would do on a daily basis right and especially when it comes to things like dubbing it, there's so much timing involved that i do find that people with a musical background whether it be playing an instrument or singing um they just have an easier time because they get rhythm and timing just it's it's just ingrained in them yeah i mean that's why jess harnell is so is is uh is so good because (laughs) because you know he's a musician and he gets how it works like every character Mm -hmm. has a different song you know and it's like yeah (laughs) yeah for sure but um uh speaking of dubbing what was that like you know coming into that for the first time because that's that's a whole whole thing that um that a lot of people struggle with the first time coming around like i just want to know what was your experience with that So dubbing really fascinated me. Most of my friends who had moved over to voiceover were doing uh, dubbing in anime. And I was, I'm going to get people yelling at me for this. I was never an anime fan. It was not my thing. Um, I always called it cartoons because it made people angry. And I thought that was funny. I know that's mean. I apologize now. (laughs) Um, But my husband's super big into anime. So like he had me watching a couple of things. And so I slowly started to like, get into what it was but what I learned the process of dubbing it really excited me because uh other than acting the other thing that I have done for a living is stage management and in stage management you have to keep a million balls in the air and do everything all at once or the world ends 
Um, and so that part of my brain was really, really intrigued by dubbing and how just how much you had to be doing while you were acting to get everything synced and perfect and, and make it all flow the right way. Um, so it was really, really intriguing to me. And actually, some of the first classes I took were in dubbing just to see, you know, what what this is all about. Um, I think the hardest part of dubbing for me is not the sync itself. It's memorizing a line that's like five or six sentences long in about three seconds and then looking up and trying to match it because I'm not as good at looking up, looking down, looking up, looking down. So I have to like get the line and go. Uh, and when it's, you know, three line, three lines, three sentences, that's usually fine. Gets into the sixth range and you're like, oh, this is a paragraph. Okay, here we go. Let's see what we can do. And trying just not to stumble over a word in the middle of it because you're like, oh man, we're going to have to start from the beginning. That's why I'm so fascinated with um, actors who can not only give a fantastic performance, but also match the lip flaps perfectly. Like, I'm like, how do you do that? <laughs> it's, it's really tough, but I will also say that you, like, as long as your timing is good, you sort of get into the, the rhythm of it. And then you have the wizards of audio engineers who I swear all went to Hogwarts because they're all magicians who can be like, oh, we're going to move this here. We're going to move that there. And now suddenly it fits. And you're like, you might've even been in your head going, oh, that didn't fit. There's no way I did that right. And then they play it back after they do their magic. And you're like, oh, hey, look, it fit. So it's like this weird team effort of you and your timing and your acting ability and the wizards that are the engineers and the directors who know which direction it needs to go to make it fit properly. Now, I said this before, but, you know, the engineers were the unsung heroes of the pandemic because they, they had to make sure everything sounded good while, while everyone had to, while everyone was stuck at home recording from home, they had to oh make sure God, like yes. everyone had to sound good and... And sound the same on different microphones in different spaces. Like, I can't even imagine. I don't... Audio engineering is this word, world to me that I just do not understand, even in the theater world, like lights costumes sound i can do all of that stuff i've dabbled in all of that or not sound lights costumes sets sound was never my thing i was like i don't i don't hear it the way you hear it if i hear that it's wrong it must be really wrong because i can tell and then i got into this world and i'm like oh man what you guys do is incredible <laughs> no it's it's so fascinating because you you sometimes watch a show and you forget oh um everyone recorded their lines separately like i mean in, in anime in general like was always rec recorded separately because again um you know you kind of have to because because reasons <laughs> that are obvious <laughs> but i i'm in awe of when i'm whenever i'm watching an anime and the dub is so good that I'm like, there's no way all these people recorded their lines separately because they had to be in a room together. They had to be. <laughs> yeah, right. It's Cause, magic. Because it just, it just feels seamless. And then you have the opposite effect of if, uh, if a dub is really terrible, you're kind of wondering like, okay, what went wrong? Why is the, Why does this sound off? You know, what, what went mm -hmm. wrong? <laughs> 
Well, and it's crazy too, because we talk about the wizardry of like the audio engineers, but the directors too, like when you're directing for dubs and I haven't had the pleasure yet, but like talking to all my friends and just talking to different directors, um, not only do you have to know the whole story and what's going on, you have to know like, how did I direct this person to say that line so that the next person coming in can answer it properly so that it all can sound seamless? Because that's the only way to get it to sound like everyone was in a room together. That director has to keep all of that knowledge in their head and be able to move that forward. And I'm just like, you're incredible too. Now that's why I loved when I had uh, Morgan, Morgan Lauren Garrett on, like I was Mm. just in awe of like how, like how she can break down you know, directing someone is just, oh my goodness. (laughs) And it's crazy because like everyone interprets direction differently. Everyone's mind is going to comprehend the things you say differently. And so every director has to learn a different language for each actor they're working with and be able to get what they want in a way that person's going to understand. And you're just like, wow, you're, you're pretty cool. (laughs) That's why I love people like, you know, J.B. Blanc and, and mm. Mary, Mary Elizabeth McGlynn because yes. they know how to break down a scene like so perfectly that I'm like, you have to be an alien. Like, there's no way <laughs> that you're not an alien. There's something very special about your brain. We should di- dissect it and learn for science. <laughs> Because, and, you know, going back to the topic of anime, and, you know, I'm sorry if this sounds like a little, you know, a, you know, a little uh, off topic, but one of the things I love about um, the Cowboy Bebop dub, and that's and why it's lasted as, as uh, why it's timeless, is mm. because Mary Elizabeth McGlynn, like, looked at, looked at this show, and she's like, I, I, I see the beauty in this, and I want to make this... Like, I don't care if, like, four or five people watch this. I want to make the best show I can make. And everyone was perfectly cast. Everyone yeah. was perfectly directed. It's it's a beautiful show. And, like, man. <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> like it, it's – and I'm someone who's very picky when it comes to anime. Like, I'm very picky. But, like, to me, like, I can watch Cowboy Bebop, like, from start to finish and it would just be like, yeah. It, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's timeless. It's it's a it's it's one of those things that you know I'm someone who hates using the word perfect to describe to describe media because nothing is perfect everything has flaws but you know uh, Cowboy Bebop man it, it's it's close to being perfect <laughs> yeah yeah and um with with um with home recording being the norm now do you think that's made it easier or harder for people to get into the business. I think it's definitely open doors because there are people all over, not just the country, but all over the world that are able to be seen by studios that would have never seen them before. I have so many friends who are working from the middle of the country who there are no studios near them unless they moved to one of the hubs. They would have never gotten to do this. And now they don't have to do that. They can stay where they're happy and they can do what they love. And I think that's really incredible. Because one of the things that bothered me about um, pre-pandemic recording was this whole idea of, okay, if you were in LA, you were part of that LA group and you only had, you only did union dubs 
And if you were in Texas, you did the non-union dub work and, and mm-hmm. we don't, you know, none, the two sides will never meet and, and what have you. And, <laughs> and there was like this, this almost like this rivalry. I mean, there wasn't, there was not, not an actual rivalry, but like there was this idea that if you, that, you know, if you were in Texas that you, you know, you, you only just did anime and that's it. And it's right. like, man, you know, the people in Texas, like the Texas voiceover scene, like I, I feel like they don't get enough credit because a lot of these shows, you know, are I mean, dubbing in general is very time consuming and very hard. Mm-hmm. And it kind of annoys me how people just overlook a lot of the talent that comes out of, you know, um, the Texas scene because, man, they're they're giving their hearts out and they're paying they're getting paid next to nothing for it. Yeah, I feel like before the pandemic. Texas was definitely a place where voice actors got uh, got to cut their teeth and build their resumes and and just really build their craft to this amazing point. And then they would come out to the hubs and be incredible. And people would be like, "Oh my god, where'd you come from?" And they're, they're like, "They've been doing this in Texas, guys. Like, they're good. They're doing things." And now, like, people are starting to see not just Texas, but like all over the world that there's all this talent out there who maybe you didn't know them just because they can't get to LA or New York, but they're there and they're really good. Yeah. It always bothered me where it's like, you know, Oh, it's, it's only if you're in LA, you're, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're only known for LA stuff. Or if you're in New York, you're only known for the New York stuff. And, you know, back in the day, you know, back in the two thousands when, you know, four kids was still a thing. I remember they got, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, man, the, these four kids actors are terrible, blah, blah, blah. But <laughs> then it's kind of funny looking back at that now when a lot of the people who worked for that worked for that company went on to become superstars now. Right. Like Sam Regal, for God's sakes. <laughs> <laughs> like people forget he was originally a New York based voice actor and now he's on critical role and he's making so much money. And yeah. <laughs> And, um, but, but I mean, my point is, you know, basically, you know, to, to make a long story short, I just don't like, I don't like the divide. I don't like having to divide, divide people into groups. I feel like it, it, because at the end of the day, you're just, it's voiceover. I mean, it's still, you know, you're still doing the same thing, whether it be anime or Western animation, it's still yeah, the same thing. One community. And I feel like that's, again, I say this a lot, but I think one of the biggest problems right now is like everyone is kind of divided, and I don't mean that in the political in the political sense. I just mean <laughs> that in in the just in general sense because I, I I see so many people, you know, focusing on themselves, and that's great. But I, very rarely do I see people like say I I really like what this person is doing. Pay attention to this person because they're so good. And right. I kind of wish I could see more of that, honestly. Well, and it's interesting because you see more of that in the voiceover community than you do in any ac- other acting community. You know, theater, film actors, they are not as quick to highlight what's good about their competition because it's so much of a competition. When I moved over to voice acting and, and people were like, oh, did you get this audition? You should get, you, you know, you, let me let me let me tell them about you. And I'm like, wait, what? but I could get this part instead of you. Like, don't you want this part? Uh, I've never met a community of actors that did that until I moved into voiceover. They're just genuinely 
good people who want to see other people succeed, which is shocking. And at first you're like, wait, what's going on? What's the ulterior motive here? And then you just realize, oh, no, that's just who these people are. And um, speaking of the VO community, um, did you ever get a chance to record ensemble or was it has it always just been yourself? Uh, I record ensemble for a podcast that I do, but it's ensemble over Zoom. I mean, it's still ensemble. <laughs> you know, you're still recording. Yeah, it's with other fantastic. People. I mean, like it's, it's, it's like being in theater again. <laughs> I mean, it's radio play basically. Yeah. I mean, podcasts are basically radio nowadays, so it's like right. Yeah, <laughs> everyone has one. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think nowadays, when if you open up a Zoom account, they're like, you know, do you want to start your own podcast? Because it's easy. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I mean that's the running joke now. It's like uh, you know you have a you have a Zoom account. You want you, you uh, have you started a podcast yet? Because I you know because <laughs> like, um, I mean it just made it easier, I guess. And um, I feel like you know speaking of you know life pre and post pandemic. Now that we're in, I don't want to say in a state of normalcy because I hate that word, mm. but. You know, right right now, as of this recording, we're in a we're in a place where I think we're just gonna, like, this is the new normal, I guess. Like, this is as close as we're gonna get to, to um, to life. The before times. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm I'm just wondering, like, what do you do when you're not um when you're not working? Like, what what do you do to to, to stay I'm sane? Not working. Oh my God, I'm always working. <laughs> I'm a terrible workaholic. Um, I have a problem. Uh, I also work in um, uh, production um, for for dubbing. So I do a lot of coordinating and and I've just gotten into script adapting um, when I'm not doing this and all of that. Uh, I build costumes. I like to sew. Um, I write... Um, me and my husband have a podcast, of course, because like we said, who doesn't, uh, called Tales from Your Mom's Basement, um, which is radio play anthology, and I'm the main writer on that, so I like to do a lot of writing, but I guess that's kind of work, too. Um, I don't know. I don't really, <laughs> I don't really have a lot of downtime. Um, I like to hang out with my husband and my cat and go to Disneyland, and I'm really excited to go to the Renaissance Fair. They still have Renaissance fairs. <laughs> They're coming back this year. I'm really excited. They haven't had one for like three years. So oh, it'll be back in LA in April. I'm really excited to go and dress up and build a costume. Because again, nerd. Now, I've never been to Renaissance fairs because obviously yeah, I don't live in a country that has them, but I'm just wondering like, what That's is fair. that experience like? It's so fun. Like you just go and like for a theater kid, it's awesome because you just get to be goofy all day and you get to wear a cool costume. And uh, the one in LA, they have a jousting tournament and they've got all sorts of really good food and uh, different places to just buy just different. It's like, it's like a, renaissance etsy in real life so you can just go and buy people's wares and like see what people are doing and just basically hang out with your friends in funny costumes all day and be outside and away from your computer 
It's fantastic. And do you guys stay in character or is it just whatever? Uh, it depends on who we go with. My husband loves to build, uh, like build his costume around a character. He'll stay in character for about half the day and then he'll get bored of it. <laughs> because I can't imagine, like, I mean, it's one of those things where it sounds fun to be like, oh, you know, let's, let's do, let's do a LARP. But then it's like, yeah, after like two, two or three minutes, I'm, I'd, I'd just be bored of it. I'm just, I would just be like, yeah, this is lame. <laughs> Yeah, I just like to be me and in costume, and I really like to build costumes that people can be like, oh my god, that looks so cool, and I can be like, yeah, it does, thanks, because I need an ego boost every day. <laughs> I mean, it's it's either that or, you know, or you run into someone who's, like, really a stickler for details, where it's like, oh, actually, they did not have. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, and I am not a stickler for details. My costumes are always a little more on the fantasy side of the Renaissance Fair. So I'm like, yeah, I know it wouldn't be this. It would be this fabric and it would have been this stitch and I just don't care. That's that's what bothers me. It's like, look, we're just here to have a good time. We really don't need someone to point out that it's historically inaccurate. Like, I, I just, I never understood that attitude where it's like every time there's like a historical movie, someone has to come in and was like, well, actually, this wouldn't have happened. <laughs> it's like, who cares, man? Just let me, like, just let, let me, me enjoy it. <laughs> like, yeah, I know King Arthur wasn't a real person, okay? Just, just, <laughs> just let me enjoy this, please. <laughs> You're like, neither was Godzilla, but I still like that movie. Leave me alone. And again, like... You know, it's funny because, like, I just recorded an episode yesterday talking about, like, uh, television and how, like, as an adult, you grow up with that misconception of, like, what, you know, because as a kid, you grew up, if you watched a lot of television, you just thought that that's what life was like as an adult. It's like, oh, well, you know, everyone could live on minimum wage. It's like, right? no. <laughs> yes, of course, you can live on minimum wage and have a million dollar apartment in New York like friends. That's going to happen. Like it's it's so weird because uh, honestly, like as an adult, you know, when I whenever I go back and watch these shows, I just say to myself, okay, all of these shows take place in an alternative universe because there is no way someone can afford. Right. Well, that's like all the high school shows where you're like, you got thirty year olds playing high school students, and then you got to high school and you're like, how come I don't look that cool? I still look like I'm twelve. It's like, yeah, because you're not 30 yet. Oh, no. I remember watching, what was it, The Duff and just laughing because half the cast of the, of that movie were in their 20s when they were, <laughs> when they were, when they were shooting that. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Robbie Amell is a teenager. Yeah, sure. Right? Mae Whitman is a teenager. Okay. <laughs> you're like, you look young for your age, but not like a teenager. <laughs> and then, of course, you see real life teenagers and you're like, God, you look like you're in kindergarten. How old are you? Ah, man, like, and uh, I love how every time I record an episode and we're talking about when and this subject comes up, I always be like, oh, man, I'm only like 30, 31 years old, but I just feel like, but I just feel ancient because like every That's time I go you know, you've made it to your 30s when teenagers look like children, you're like, oh, I must be 30. Because I remember going to a convention, the uh, first convention in, in like two years back in like December, and I just saw all these like teenagers there, you know, dressed up as anime characters. And I'm like, am I old? Am I old? 
I try not to ask myself that question. I'm just like, no, 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 you're fine. Just do your thing. <laughs> just because just, I saw this, this, this guy dressed as, dressed as a Naruto character and I'm like, uh, I, I, I just, I don't like he looks he looks younger than me but also older so i don't you know, right. it's like oh i don't understand the world anymore and it's <laughs> and it's just it's just weird because it's like um uh, that's a pretty cool cause because because you see someone who has like a pretty cool cosplay and you're like well i hope i don't say any, anything inappropriate or might get me in trouble because i don't know how old you are so it's like you know <laughs> <laughs> The worst is, so I've worked with kids. Uh, I used to teach acting to kids. And um, when I was on tour as a costume supervisor, I would work with the kids. And the worst is when you make a reference that you get and all of your friends would get. And they look at you like, who is that? And you're like, oh, God, go away. I'm so old. Oh, was it? Uh, I remember, God. <laughs> that, that happens to me a lot where... Uh, on this show where I well where, where, where I would make a joke or a reference to something that no one w would get and I'm like am I that old <laughs> <laughs> like cuz cuz I I remember making a joke about um the, making a reference to the Seinfeld episode where um Kramer gets the Mar the Merv Griffin show set installed in his apartment <laughs> and I'm just like and the guests didn't get it they did they didn't laugh or anything and I'm like oh am I that old <laughs> like, am I that old do I remember that episode <laughs> right it's the worst I'm just like forget it it's fine it's a deep cut you wouldn't understand no, it's it's even funnier because I remember, uh, you know, two years ago when I had Zara Fuzzle on, we were talking about uh, cartoons, and I mentioned Jabberjaw, and she's like, "What's Jabberjaw?" And I'm like, "You don't know what, what Jabberjaw is." No. Oh my god, it's the worst. I can't remember which cartoon it was. It was some old Nickelodeon cartoon, and I was working with kids, and they were like, "What's that?" The worst was. Uh, I was trying to have this one kid when I was doing costumes. I was like, okay, you need to, you know, you can't wear your pants all the way down there in this scene. You got to lift them all the way up past your waist. And they were like, here? And I was like, yeah, you got to Steve Urkel it. And they're like, what does that mean? And I was like, oh, God, go away. Leave me alone. See, back in the 1980s, there was this show called <laughs> Family Matters. <laughs> back in my day. <laughs> that people no it's it's so funny to me because i remember you know this conversation as well um i had this conversation with with someone and we were just talking about isn't it weird that we're living in an age where people don't know what television is where people mm. don't understand that uh every episode releases in a week like people get upset about that instead of like the whole series and i'm just like and if well, you miss it's... it you miss it you have to wait till it comes on syndication maybe yeah, it's just so weird to me, and it's like, and and I asked this question to to this person, and and I'm, I guess I'm asking it right now to you as well. Is that do you ever feel like there's ever going to come a point where it's just going to be hard to keep up with anything? I mean, I think we're already at that point, just because there's so much to keep up with. Like, and I'll I'll admit, I am now spoiled. I hate watching things episodically now because I don't have a lot of time. So when I do, I'm like, cool, I'm just going to binge through this and get to see the whole thing. And now when things are episodic, I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? I don't have time to come back next week. Um, so I think I'm spoiled that way now. 
but I feel like there is so much content and so many things that you could watch that there's no possible way to keep up with everything now. Like I have so many lists of things where I'm like, oh yeah, I need to watch that. Oh crap, I got to watch this one too. And I have no idea if I'm ever, ever going to. I, I feel you because I do have a backlog of shows I want to watch. I'm like, I, you know, I want to make a, you know, a day for myself to watch this because I never watched this when it was on. But then I look at the number of seasons and the episode runtime mm -hmm. and I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> and it sucks because like, so for me, the one that keeps, I keep putting off and putting off is Supernatural. I loved Supernatural when it was on. In the beginning, I thought it was so cool. And then I just sort of fell out of watching it, didn't have the time, whatever. So I was like, well, eventually it'll be over and I'll watch the whole thing. But because it's been so long, you have to start from the beginning so you remember where you are. And there are so many seasons that by the time I get halfway through, I'm like, I can't binge any more of this. I have to stop. And by the time I want to come back to it, I'm like, I don't remember what's going on, but there's no way I'm starting this from the beginning again. So it just like gets further and further out. And I'm like, someday I'll know how that show ends. Well, I mean, it's funny you mentioned Supernatural because they originally ended it in like one of the seasons because they didn't know they were going to come come back. And that was mm -hmm. like ending one. And then the show came back, was renewed. And they're like, oh, well, I guess we're just going to pretend like all the stuff we, <laughs> we wrapped up didn't happen. It's like, oh, God. <laughs> that's the best we're like no no it's fine it wasn't real it was a dream and that's i mean that happened to me with adventure time where i used to watch it a lot but then i just fell out of it because it's like it just it was just too much it was just too much to keep up and like there was the, all these other shows that were coming out at the time that i was just watching mm -hmm. and i'm like you know, I really want to go back to Adventure Time, but it's like, man, and then you look at look at what they were doing and all the lore-heavy episodes and all the miniseries, and it's like... Right? Oh, like, God. Do I even remember what's happening? <laughs> and do I have time to, like, get into it again? Yeah, that's why I'm like, look, and I don't care if this makes me sound like I'm uh, like an old fart, but... <laughs> I cannot stand watching a television show that's like that has like hour long episodes. I just can't. I'm like unless it's a documentary, I just can't. Like it, like yeah. it doesn't need to be this long. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of old episodes and old shows and stuff, I watched the best documentary on Hulu. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. Something about orange turning orange or orange era. It's basically about like the golden age of Nickelodeon. And it was so good. It was all of the like old shows from like Doug and Rugrats and, and like that era of Nickelodeon. It was such a good documentary. Oh, back before it became the SpongeBob channel. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, what happened to that Nickelodeon? What happened to like giving, you know, create? Because I said this before, again, funny you mentioned Nickelodeon, but I think one of my biggest criticisms of that channel now is that they just don't take chances anymore. They're not, you know, growing up as a 90s kid, what, what set them apart from their competitors was the fact that they were giving giving these creators these these wild, you know, giving these, these creators the, you know, freedom to do whatever they wanted. And it was very experimental mm -hmm. and it was very weird. And it's like... We need more of that. <laughs> yeah. And if you watch the documentary, like they talk about that and, you know, how eventually you become a corporation that makes money and then that becomes 
the goal instead of children's entertainment. And I think that's kind of where they are now, unfortunately. Like, there's still some really good stuff on Nickelodeon if you pick through it. But back in the 90s, it was like the golden era of Nickelodeon where everything that was on was good. And you were like, oh, holy crap. Like, this is, let's just always watch this. Like, I remember Saturday nights, like, waiting for Snick to watch, like, all that and Are You Afraid of the Dark and just being like, yes, this is my time. Yeah, and, and I kind of just miss that in general, like, because, and and this is not to discourage anybody who wants to get into the business or anything like that, but, you know, as someone who wants to get into writing and telling telling, you know, their own stories, I just... I just don't like the the way where I just don't like the fact that everything has to be so corporate now. It's like because mm. I see because I follow a lot of industry people on Twitter and just because I want to see like the behind the scenes stuff because again, DVDs aren't a thing anymore, so you can't like <laughs> you know you can't pick up a series on DVD and watch the extras anymore because they don't exist right. anymore. So it's like I want I'm hungry for content. I want to know like all well, the behind the scenes stuff I can. And I was like, well, you know, one of the few positives of Twitter is that you know you can follow people who work in the industry and they, they you know they, they sometimes post all these things about um, what they're working on and and the creative process and all that stuff. But you know, the the more I see like the hardships that they had to go through just to get something as simple as like a point a to point b story off the ground it's like man it's disheartening it is but at the same time there's so many ways now to get your own content out there there are so many sites and and different opportunities that you, it's kind of nice because you don't have to shop to the big guys yet you know you don't have to shop the corporates right away there are ways to get your own creative content into the world without them you may not have the audience they have and the money they have right away but your your story can be seen in so many different ways now and i think that's what's really cool about the way um technology has changed as far as like entertainment industry stuff yeah um i think that's one of the biggest positives of the internet era is that you know, before it was television was what was ruling the airwaves and that's what everyone wanted to be like. Everyone wanted to be like television, like the Internet. When when everything first started out, everyone was like, oh, we got to be like television. We got to be like television. We want to mm -hmm. do like let's do what they're doing on TV, but like on the Internet. And, and And then as the years went on, as the decades rolled on, television lost pretty much everything i mean and no one watches television anymore and i don't know why it's a thing anymore and you know <laughs> streaming became the big the big go-to thing and then networks were like okay we gotta we gotta change the way we do things and i think with the rise of youtube that pretty much changed the entire game because it's like you know it's no longer a site for hosting video you know compilation videos it's just it's it's it is in and of itself a creative platform because, um, you know, you're giving an opportunity. First of all, it's free, you know, <laughs> it's a free, <laughs> it's a free website. You can, you know, create an account there and you can just uh, upload whatever, you know, you want to upload on there as long as it doesn't, you know, uh, violate the terms of service, obviously. 
But I think when when that took off and when people realized, oh, we don't need to have like corporate bosses, we can be our own bosses. That's when you started to see the shift. Now, mm-hmm. instead of um, instead of uh, internet shows trying to be more like television, you're starting to see like television shows trying to be more like the internet. Right. I mean, that's basically what Smiling Friends is. It's basically just an internet. <laughs> it's just basically an internet an internet show that aired on television. You know? Yeah, for sure. So it's like because it's it is that humor. It is that um, 2006 newgrounds humor but it's in (laughs) but it's in like uh it's on a major network it's on adult swim and i'm like yeah yeah cool and good on those guys for doing that because it is again one of the sleeper hits of that of 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 last year and you know i'm ex i you know a part of me hates the fact that everything's being corporate but at the same time there are still people who are willing to take chances and you know Mm -hmm. there are some exciting projects down the line obviously it's not all doom and gloom, but at the same time, it's like I kind of wish we were, we were, um, what was it? What is it? Uh, encouraging creativity more more often than we than we are in right now, personally. Right, and something like that I always have to remind myself because I have a friend who's very down on like the state of cartoons now, and they're never as good as they were when we were kids. And I always have to remind them, I'm like, yeah, but we're not kids, so they're not for us. You don't have to like it. It's for the kids. They like it. That's all that matters. Well, yeah, because and and ironically enough, I had this conversation with someone else where it's like uh, we like um, because every time I hear someone complaining about, oh, so uh, kids cartoons aren't as good as they were when I was a kid. And I'm like, but what changed is uh, look at the time period you grew up in. Everything mm-hmm. else changed. And you were a kid back then. You didn't have a concept of what was going on in the world. You were just, you know, you all you cared about was watching cartoons all day. And you didn't <laughs> care about things like animation quality and writing and all that stuff that adults do because it's like, again, you were a kid. You know, you just watched it because it was entertaining. It was like a, 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 way, a good way to kill a sad, kill, kill, uh, kill time. Mm-hmm. You know, cart- and as as the years went on, you know, you got older and you realized, hey, you know – you got older and you're no longer a kid anymore. You, you know, your tastes change, you know, you, you, you get into new stuff and it is fine to go back to, I mean, I'm not against the concept of nostalgia, but I mean, I am, I don't like it when people feel like, okay, I, I, I'm a fan of this thing and, and that's going to be my entire identity. I don't like that. Mm-hmm. It is fine to be nostalgic for stuff. I'm I'm nostalgic for stuff. I'll go back and watch old shows that I watched as a kid. I mean, I was doing that. <laughs> I was doing that through through quarantine. I'm like, yeah, I, I, I you know everything sucks right now, and I kind of need to go back to to a comfort right. zone. I need my but, comfort, <laughs> yeah, and that's fine. But at the same time, it's like you can complain about you know Teen Titans go all you want, but at the end of the day, the people making that show aren't you know aren't making it for 30 year olds. They're making it for, you know, the six to 12 year old demographic. Right. It's, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, look, you can criticize these shows and I'm not saying like, you know, you, you shouldn't criticize anything. Criticism can be very helpful and it's fine. 
But there's a difference between criticizing something and sending someone death, using it as an excuse to just send someone death threats. Right, which is crazy and should never, ever happen. <laughs> but, but sadly it, does. Because that's the downside of social media now, where it's like everyone has yeah. access to every anybody and anybody can like dig up stuff that someone said years ago and they're like oh i can't believe this major corporation is hiring this person when they did this and it's like dude come on (laughs) yeah like and, and i've said this before it really annoys it really freaks me out that i live in an era where people where anybody can dig up anything i said like 12 or 13 years ago and be like oh i can't believe you're giving this guy a platform when he said this back in 2013 or whatever and right I'm like, oh, come on yeah like, it's, it's a it's an interesting age we live in like you're connected to everything which could be amazing but also could really bite you in the ass someday in and, ways that you have no idea and that's why it's like it's so scary. Like the the thing that really scares me about social media is that you know, especially if you're like a big name voice actor, is like you have to watch what you say because mm-hmm. like everyone is listening. People who don't like you will go through your tweets and try to find something to make you look like an awful person. We've seen this yeah. happen many times. Okay, it's not <laughs> it's it's not anything new. Like they'll dig up old tweets and they're like, oh, see how this person acted back then, and it's like. Dude, come on. Like, You're like, what, 10 years ago when they were 19 <laughs> and still a child? Yeah. I hope they've grown. I hope they've shown they've grown and shown that progress. Th- that's another thing that really annoys me is that where a lot of people act like personal growth isn't a thing anymore. I'm like, yeah. Mm. You dug up um, an old audio of me saying something really insensitive and disgusting and, and something I no longer believe in. it's so so what i mean i you know no longer agree with agree with that i mean hell i've recorded episodes in like the past two years that i no longer agree with because it's like right because we change as people yeah you know you you change you you think oh well you know i didn't think of it uh, i didn't think of it that way and blah 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 and it's like yeah personal growth is a thing that exists and i feel (laughs) like I feel like people just, uh, you know, just want to use it, use it as an excuse to just like complain and harass people that they don't like. And it's like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I, well, I do know what to tell you. And that's just like, maybe it's time to just log off and not stress over this sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah, I definitely advocate for social media breaks. I don't think it's healthy to be on social media all the time. I don't think it's good for your brain. I don't think it's good for your well-being. I'm like, go on, do your thing, talk to your people. But every once in a while, just log off. Just remember that there is a world outside of your phone. Go outside. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but um, but but anyway, I I feel like, you know, it's 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 interesting because and. I don't know if this is going to sound pretentious or not, but I feel like <laughs> we as human beings uh, don't, we just don't talk to any, each other anymore. We don't have meaningful conversations anymore. Everything is like, has to be like summed up in like a few, a few sentences and we have mm. to like, everything has to be fast and, and it's like, slow down. Let's just sit down, have a conversation. 
And, right. you know, why are you feeling that way? Okay, why do you feel that this is this is bothering you why you know xyz and it's and you just don't see that anymore because every everyone's like just so divided in a way everyone's just like well my line of thinking is right and everyone else is wrong and it's just i don't i don't get it yeah it's hard when everyone like not everyone that's that's general and i don't want to be that general but it's hard because a lot of people are very quick to be defensive instead of open and listen to the other side and go oh that's why you feel how you feel let me tell you how it is for me I don't have to change your opinion nothing has to change after this conversation but have the conversation you know I'm not saying that you need to listen to everyone and then do what they say like that's not it at all you're entitled to your opinion you're entitled to the way you feel but you so is everyone else and and being able to be open to listening to that is really important and i feel like somewhere along social media we lost some of that because it became an anonymous place to say all the bad things you want to say and no one can touch you for it yeah i mean it's and and it's not just social media it's just you know people in general just just feel like they can just harass people for no reason whatsoever and it's like Come on, man. Like, I get it. You know, outrage brings in the clicks, you know, the, the you know, the reactionary, uh, you know, videos, you know, bring in all the clicks and you get all the views and all that stuff. But it's like, realize that what you're doing is like, you are hurting real people at the end of the day. And, mm-hmm. and it's just, I don't... Like I, I and and it just really annoys me that you know speaking of YouTube, it really annoys me that I don't go out of my way to look for that sort of content. But for some reason, the YouTube algorithm keeps recommending me these types of videos, and I'm like, why are you recommending me these types of videos? Mm. Like why? It's just it's just really annoying, and it's like, God, <laughs> it's like. I I'm just I'm just trying to look for tutorials. I don't care for this sort of <laughs> stuff. You know? <laughs> like, is ex- is extreme reactionary stuff where it's like, oh, can you believe so and so said this? And I'm like, I don't know who that is, and I don't care. Right. Yeah, I will say there's there's actually very few things I watch on YouTube. My husband goes down the YouTube rabbit holes and just spends all day watching things, and I'm like, nah. There's like maybe three four people on youtube that i will actually like go back and be like oh what's your content today but otherwise i'm like there's so it's like tv now there's so much and half of it i don't care and half of it i don't understand so i'm just like uh i'm good give me like markiplier playing a a scary video game i'm happy give me the sorted guys making fun food i'm good that's about it (laughs) It's like what what can you use as background noise for like an right? afternoon or whatever. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm happy to just like put on old episodes of Bob's Burger and get through my day. Yeah, basically. Like <laughs> I think it's funny you mentioned that show because I think I mentioned this in another episode, but I think that one of the I mean, I'm not a fan of that show, but one of the one of the things that that show excels at that no other show does is being great background noise. <laughs> I will say Bob's Burgers is my comfort cartoon now as an adult. Like if I don't feel well or if I just need 
something on it that's the one I'm like I don't I know it so well now plus there's music every once in a while I'm like no I'm good this makes me happy yeah um and and that's and that's another thing I wanted to touch upon is that you know with with the way things are right now you know do you have any comfort shows that I mean that's definitely the 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 big one for me um yeah like I'll <laughs> go back to old movies if I'm really like feeling like I just need a comfy place to hide I'll watch like Labyrinth or Oscar if you haven't heard of Oscar it's fantastic it's a Sylvester Stallone in a mobster comedy it's so good Tim Curry's in it so good um but yeah if if I'm really just not feeling well or anything like that I usually just put on Bob's Burgers and I'm like this is good take me away (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, I I think I I did that for home movies as well. I think that mm. that show, you know, again, same creator, and a lot of the the lines are improvised. So it's like it feels, it feels like a podcast instead of an actual show yeah. because it's it's you know back and forth, and it's like everyone just has this, right. everyone just has this way of talking that is so realistic that I just I just get so jealous of it because I'm like, is this written? Was the, did an actual person write this? How, How can did I make this happen? This yeah. <laughs> magic moments. No, I just I just love those types of shows where it's like, you know, you can just put it on as background noise and it's like, yep, everything is right with the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like you just need that sometimes. Well, I think you need that all the time nowadays. <laughs> right. <laughs> like because uh, like every day man you, you wake up and i and i said this before we started recording like i i just wonder like okay what happened today what are we mad about today yeah <laughs> it's hard but i mean do you ever get overwhelmed with 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 um with everything that's going on and working you know is, is there ever a point where you ever feel like you're burnt out um I mean, yeah, I think everyone feels like that. I I try on on days and weeks that I know I'm going to be exceptionally busy, I try to block out the real world as much as possible so that it doesn't affect my mood and, and who I am in that day so that I can do the things I need to do and be creative. Um, I don't know if that's the appropriate way of dealing with life as an adult, but, you know, that's my way. And I'm entitled to it. <laughs> now that was basically um, that was basically me during the pandemic. I'm like, I just want to be as willfully ignorant as possible. <laughs> I mean, during the pandemic, I just stayed basically in my booth all day long. I took a bunch of classes. I was around people on Zoom as much as I could be. I mean, I'm lucky. I have my husband, and I had a roommate at the time, so we were never like alone, alone. Um, which I know is very lucky because there were some people who don't have roommates and were completely by themselves for a year and a half. And that I can't imagine. I think I would go insane. Yeah, no, I can, I can attest to that because I, I think I mentioned this in another episode, but you know, May of 2020 was like the worst month of my life because that's when we went into, into full lockdown and there was a curfew and, you know, no one could you know go outside unless it was a medical emergency. And it's like, mm. And you're just stuck at home for the entire day and, and it just eats at you. Like it just eats at you and you're just like, oh God. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a rough time period. It's nice to be slowly coming out of it. Um, 
warily coming out of it still, but you know, you got you just do your best. You got to try and be safe and and smart, and let everyone else do what they're gonna do because you can't dictate who's wearing a mask and who's not. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, like I can't force anybody to to um do anything that they don't want to do and mm-hmm. if you feel that you know for whatever reason you feel that um you don't want to wear a mask that's fine but i'm still going to be wearing a mask and you, exactly you know just got to respect that <laughs> yeah all like, we can do is take care of ourselves and try and respect the people around us as much as possible that's my life goal <laughs> and um Man, this has been a very fascinating conversation. <laughs> Just like <laughs> picking, picking away at all our insecurities and all and right. everything. It's just it's great. Um, but uh, I, I, I mean, first of all, thank you so much for for being open to doing this show. I know that you were kind of like curious about like what I what is it I do? Like, uh, you know, can can I listen to to what you're doing? And I'm like, okay, sure. You know, go listen to it. And it's like, I really love the show. And I'm like. Thank you for that because that means a lot to me. Yeah, I, I was. It was. It was like very interesting. I went through and I didn't listen to full episodes, but I just sort of like jumped around and just kind of got the feel of like the questions and the people. And uh, it's just a very chill, cool conversations that are being had, which I like. There are some I don't listen to a lot of podcasts um, because I haven't found a lot that I really click with. And a lot of the interview ones are very, like, question, 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 question. Whereas, like, yours is a lot more conversation. And I really, I felt like that was really cool. Because I've said this, I say this a lot, but when I first started out, when I first started out doing the show, it was, like, basically just, you know, interview question, interview style, question, answer, but as as I grew older, I'm like, you know, let's just have a conversation. Like, who is the person behind the voice? Because I can, because anybody can interview anybody and talk to them about a character they voiced in the specific thing or, or whatever. Right, and but that's all like... stuff you can find out clicking on my IMDb. You can know who I am and what I do. And so it's cool to have just a more personal conversation. And I love hearing people's stories because I'm like, because everyone has a different story, and I'm like, okay, how? What is your story? How did you get here? And and let me let me tell you, like, you know that you know talking about entertainment, like the most fun I've had is just sitting back and listening to people tell me their tell me their life stories because it's like, man, you know, it's 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 a wonderful, weird, crazy world, and yeah. You know, despite all the crazy shit that's going on, a lot of uh, all the things that we have in common, or at least the people I've talked to, we've all faced hardships. But mm-hmm. every single person I've ever talked to um, pushed forward and um, you know, kept moving forward. And I and I always keep saying, like, um, we we got to keep moving forward no matter what. You know, life gets hard yeah. and, you know, you just there are always going to be days where you feel like shit and you feel like you don't want to do anything. <laughs> and and, and that's OK. And, and that's fine. And I, and I said this in another interview. I, I said, like, you know, if you enjoy what I do, please understand that the episode you're listening to that you really like 
that person was a yes, was a single yes in a, in a pool of, or not even a pool, an ocean of no's. <laughs> so I am, I will forever be grateful for every single person who took the time after the, their day to come on the show and have a conversation. Yeah, I think it's so cool. I think the more conversations that are had, the more everyone just gets to see that we're all just people. There's not that much that makes us different. Our stories are different, and that's beautiful. And that's, I mean, that's how we get entertainment. That's how we, you know, way back in the caveman days when everything was just stories by mouth, you know, I, I think there's there's still something really magical about that. Yeah, and we just don't have that. I mean, yeah, sure, there are some episodes I've recorded be where the guest was short on time, so it's like, okay, I gotta do it, do it like a, you know, do it uh, interview style. But even then, I, I try to sneak in like a couple humor, humorous bits, and be like, <laughs> okay, you know, tell me a funny story here and there. And it's like, yeah, you know, because I'm like, I want to at least get a good idea of who this person is instead of just. No question answer because that that gets me nothing. And if I wanted, if I wanted a question answer, I could just look up an, an old interview on YouTube or whatever. Right, just check their Wikipedia. Like you'll find all of that stuff on there. It's yeah. the the little things that you don't get to hear about every day. Like you love old Nickelodeon, fantastic. You know, this is your comfort show. So like those are the things you're not going to find out about people online. You actually have to have that conversation. Yeah, I mean, when I had um, Keith Silverstein on, we were just talking about, you know, 80s movies and um, yes. and uh, what was it? Christmas movies because it's like, oh, this episode's going to come out in December. Like, what What do you know? What's your favorite Christmas movie and blah, blah, nice. blah. Cause, and, and he's a sweet dude. I mean, a sweet guy. Yeah. And, you know, I, what I love about him is that he never – there's just no ego with him. It's like he's been in like a whole bunch of shows – He's in a lot of successful video games, but he's like, he's just a normal dude, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's why I love I mean, that's why I love talking to voice actors because I know that there's no ego in it. Like, yeah. There's just no ego whatsoever. And I just love it. <laughs> you know, I just love, <laughs> you know, I just love talking about, talking about stuff. And it's like, yeah. Yeah. But when I had um, Frank Todaro on who voiced, mm. who voices uh, Mugman in um, Cuphead, this was like two years ago when Cuphead was first announced and we didn't know when it was coming out. And he is someone who started out in, in the Transformers fandom and he's, you know, a toy collector, big toy collector. He's a huge Transformers fan. And we just talked about Transformers toys for an hour, for an hour. It's like, <laughs> Oh my God. Speaking of Transformers toys, my husband just got the best Transformer toy. It's a giant um, uh, Optimus Prime that starts off as a truck. And then you turn it on and you tell it to transform and it does it by itself and it makes the noises and it gets in like combat stance. It's so cool. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know who made this, but this is fantastic. How much money did that cost? Because that I can't. Oh, imagine I did that. not ask him. I'm sure it was a lot. Cause, uh, I'm like, you've earned your toys. It's fine. Because <laughs> being a Transformers collector, especially in this day and age, is not cheap. <laughs> oh, I bet. Yeah, I don't. I don't ask. I'm like, you. You have a big man corporate job. You do that and make money. I don't care what you spend on your toys. You've earned them. You're working in corporate. You deserve toys. <laughs> uh, pl please tell me he has an entire shelf of Transformers because that sounds that would that would be amazing. Nobody has an entire wall of um, lightsabers. 
あ<笑> Yeah, and every time a new one comes out at Disneyland, you know where they're buying it. Because he loves his lightsabers. I'm married to a giant geek. It's fantastic. I mean, I, I'm not a huge Star Wars fan. I mean, not, 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 not anymore, but.、Um... You know, I'm a huge Asajj Ventress fan, and when I saw that they had made replicas of her lightsabers, and I'm, I'm like, I kind of want those. I kind of want、oh, those. Yeah, he's got those too. Oh, they look so nice. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's Asajj, come on. Yeah, I'm, I, I, what do I call myself? I'm an undercover nerd. I'm only very geeky about very certain things. So I get all of my like, geek info from my husband. I'm like, hey, have you heard of this? What is this thing? Should I know this? Who's the Starscream character? Who's Megatron? <laughs> no, that I know. I know Transformers. 80s cartoons. I got that. I'm not like, you know, crazy collector person. I'm, I'm very geeky about like Firefly and Serenity. That's my big geekdom.、Uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer for a while. Pretty much if Joss Whedon wrote it in the 90s, I was all about it. Boy, that、um, aged well. <laughs> Yeah, well, who knew? Who knew? <laughs> but, but I mean, no, I mean, and that's, and that's fine. It's like, that, that's another thing I want to point out is that, you know, what I love about the voiceover world is like everyone is a big freaking geek, okay? We're, <laughs> we're all nerds. We're not cool people, okay? <laughs> <laughs> no, we are not cool. <laughs> Because、like, everyone's, everyone's a big freaking nerd. And I'm like, yeah, cool. I mean, I mean, if it makes you happy, cool. I mean, I know, <laughs> to get, you know going back to Keith, Sil- Keith Silverstein, he has a huge Magic of the Gathering collection of cards. <laughs> and he also collects Prince vinyls. So it's like,、nice. you, you do you, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You spend like your entire adolescence trying to be cool and figuring out what cool is. And then you grow up and you realize it's whatever the hell you want it to be, and just you do you. And you're like, man, I wasted a lot of time trying to be cool. Now, even as a kid, you know, back when I realized, like,、um, you know, as a teenager, when I realized、um, yeah, there were people doing the voices, and I started becoming more knowledgeable about who did the voice, and I just became like this huge. Like, nerd when it came to voiceover. It's like, I, you know, I can't tell you, I can't solve this math problem, but I can tell you a lot about Rob Paulson's career. <laughs> like, I know who Rob Paulson is. I know who Kevin Michael Richardson is. I know who Phil Lamar is. You know, is that,、right. does that, you know, does that get, get me an anything? A in this? <laughs> It's like, and that's why it makes me laugh whenever someone says, oh, voice actors aren't real actors. And I'm like, sir.、Yeah. Sir, could, could, George, could George Clooney have played Jabberjaw? No. <laughs> no, sir, I think he could have not. <laughs>、uh, it would have been really entertaining to hear him try, though. Would have been very different. <laughs> I think, oh, God, one of my favorite jokes in, in Bojack Horseman, you know, speaking of celebrity voice actors, is、um, someone is asking Todd for a favor, and he's like, sure, I can help. Just like how Cameron Diaz did a voice in Shrek.、Uh, <laughs> like, oh, God. <laughs> that is so true. Because <laughs> that's the problem with like, a lot of celebrity vo- celebrities who are coming in to or get, or get hired. They're just doing themselves. They're not creating characters. They're just. Yeah. It's、But、just. That's what, I mean, that's what they got hired to be. Like, 
you don't hire George Clooney to be anything other than George Clooney. Like in a, in a voiceover aspect, you hire him because he's freaking George Clooney and that's what you want to hear. It's true. And, the, and, but at the same time, it's just, it gets really annoying, like watching a lot of these newer shows and it's all, a celeb, it's all a celebrity cast and they're just doing themselves. And I'm kind of like, would it have made a difference to just hire someone like a John DiMaggio, you know, just to mm. spice things up a little bit, you know? <laughs> right. Because, I mean, because what I love about voice actors as well is like they're utility actors. You know, when you hire a voice actor, you're not just getting one character, you're getting thousands and you can cast them to play various roles. But when you cast a celebrity, you're only getting like maybe one role. And I feel like that's a that that's a disadvantage personally. I think I mean I think it takes all kinds. Honestly, I know some voice actors who they they have their voice and they can they can give you anything you want in their voice and they're amazing actors. They just don't have vocal manipulation, but that's fine. And then you've got the Tress McNeils and the the DiMaggio's who are just these incredible voice manipulators who can be anything and everything and i feel like there's a place for all of them in voiceover and that's kind of what's cool about it yeah no i i'm that that's a good point as well because again i understand like that's another thing i tell people is like know your limitations do not push yourself when you don't need to because mm -hmm. you're going to end up hurting yourself if you do that yeah like you can try and make all the sounds that d bradley baker can make but if it's going to ruin your vocal cords to do it why bother just do what you do best let him do what he does best uh, that, that's why it's like it's it's so weird to me when everyone's like oh everyone in anime sounds the same well yeah because they're not hired to do a voice they are hired to dub something to adapt mm -hmm. it to a to an english-speaking audience you know <laughs> yeah i mean i feel like that's that's true in a lot of genres like there's just that's it's that style of the genre so if you suddenly had like picking out of a hat if you suddenly had bender in an anime it would be really weird because that's not in the style of anime you know like you're watching this that show that genre you're watching for that style I mean, you say that, but you cannot tell me, you cannot sit here and tell me with a straight face that the One Piece dub wouldn't be a million times better if they got Gilbert Godfrey to voice a character. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that voice. <laughs> That, that's why I made a joke about Twitter where, like, when they announced a Genshin Impact character and they had not announced who the English voice actor was. And I was like, cast Gilbert Godfrey as this character, you cowards. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be incredible. Um, I approve this message. <laughs> Because I mean, and that's and that's an, another thing, you know, as well. Like, you know, Gilbert Godfrey, you know, jokes aside. He is known for doing one voice, and that's, you know, the Gilbert Godfrey voice. Mm -hmm. But it works because, you know, it works because it's very cartoony and very animated. And, you know, he can just that's a that's a that's a voice that can work for any character, whether it be a parrot, Krang subprime or any of the other characters <laughs> he's voiced, you know? Right. Yeah, it's very true. So it's I'm not against the idea. I'm not I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, you know, voice actor, you know. 
voice actors are the only ones who are allowed to voice act and celebrities should just stick to, to live action because at the end of the day, it's all acting. Mm-hmm. It, there's no difference. It's just, it's all acting. But, you know, you're just, in, but in one profession, you're using your voice to, you know, you're telling a story with just your voice while in the other one, you're using your entire body. Right. So, yeah, um, <laughs> I'm looking at the time and I just realized <laughs> that... Uh, Man, I rambled on way too much. I am so sorry. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> That's why it's like, you know, just pull me back. Please pull me back. Because <laughs> I have this tendency to just ramble on so much. It's like, uh, but uh, yeah, uh, I just looked at the time and I, I, I realized I got to get going. But uh, before we wrap up, um, is there anything that you're currently working on that you can talk about? or And where can people find you online? Um. Anytime anyone asks me where they can find me online, I always have to look it up because I can never remember what my handles are. Isn't that sad? Um, you can find me on Twitter at at Hezzy underscore star VO. That's H-E-Z-Z-Y underscore S-T-A-R-R capital V capital O. Uh, that's on Twitter. And I think Hezzy underscore star underscore VO on Instagram if you care about pictures. Um... Nothing I can talk about that I'm working on right now, if you haven't seen it yet, out on Netflix is Kotaro Lives Alone. It is adorable, and I am both um, Kobayashi in that, as well as I did the English script adaptation on that show. So that's out on Netflix. Check it out. All right, cool. Thank you so much for taking the time up to do this. And, you know, we got to get you back sometime when, whenever something big drops so we can talk yeah, about that in sure. detail. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Looking forward to our next conversation. All right, take care. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye.